Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 93 of Thrive Deeper. It's your old pal DJ Payne here with you. And on this week's episode, Matthew, Jacoby and myself, your faithful uh, little trekkers, are trekking through the book of Exodus. We go from Exodus 21 and we're going to hop around in this episode as we cover what we're talking about in the law. Yeah, Matt's going to break down moral law and civil law and even dropping in, just for fun, a bit of the purpose of life. Because, you know, that's how Matthew rolls. Also, all of that, plus we've got your questions and suggestions on this week's episode of Thrive Deeper. Hope you can stick around, grab a drink, grab a pen, grab a paper, and hopefully we'll instigate some questions and ideas for you as we go through the book of Exodus on this week's Thrive Deeper. Matthew, you, you, you've been keeping pretty busy. Oh, yeah, I've still got heaps on, <laughs> even uh, even working from home. So uh, you came over and borrowed one of the microphones the other day. What is mm. that for? Uh, well, I'm recording all of my lectures uh, oh. for MST because uh, we can't have classes as such, yeah. but uh, I, uh, we can still uh, connect with students in other ways. And um, so I'm pre-recording all my lectures. And Wow. Doing a kind of online option. Okay, okay, fantastic. Mm. It's good to see you moving into the, uh, you know, to the twenty first century. Well, that's the that's the interesting thing (laughs) about this is that it's it's you know it's forcing us to do things we hadn't done haven't done a lot before. Yeah. yeah. Now, for those listening in the years and years in the future, this is obviously we're recording this in April of twenty twenty. We're in the midst of this whole COVID nineteen coronavirus thing, uh, lockdown. A lot of uh, a lot of people. Uh, we're basically stopped from um, you know physically getting together in the same space, mm. unless of course you're going shopping, uh, going to the pharmacy, going to school, going mm. to the hospital. Uh, or going for a walk in the park. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my kids are all, all at home doing their uh, doing their homework. It's actually the quietest I've ever heard them at home. They're yeah. all in their own spaces. Here's my little positive spin. School. My little positive spin off this. I really do believe that a lot of people at the end of this are going to go. You know, homeschooling uh, not a bad option actually. I think a lot of parents and a lot of kids are going to really be excited by homeschooling after the end uh, of this. Really? Is, uh, is that a that's a good thing? I think that's a Great thing. Okay. I think that's a great thing. Do we really want to go down? I think this is now beginning to get into an episode of Thrive Perspectives. Look, I, for one, am not exactly a fan of the current education system. Okay. All right. Just save all your hate letters to me. Don't send them to Matt. Um, And I think think homeschooling gets a a bad rap. I think the educational system in in the world, Mm. in the Western world, is um, actively anti-homeschooling. And I think as Christians who have got the God-given responsibility and role to educate our children, we are very happy to hand it over to the government. And uh, I don't think we take responsibility of educating our kids enough. And I think that this is – I've already heard from parents going, this is 
the best thing I've ever experienced. This is the happiest I've ever been with my children and my children are finishing their work by 11 o'clock in the morning mm. and we're having great times right. together. Yeah. Well, I've- And I've, homeschoolers all over the world are like, <coughs> hello. Welcome to our world. Yeah. Welcome to our world. This is, we well, do this I, all the time. You know, I've, I've seen, in fact, possibly even most other parts of the world, uh, uh, if they could have our educational system, they would- think all their Christmases come at once. I mean, I, you know, I've been to look, let me, let state me just, education in India and it's really yeah, okay. ordinary. We have pretty good state education. In the Western world, let me just get on my yeah. little high horse for a second. Yeah. Our education system is rated one of the worst. We have the worst results for basic numeracy, literacy, education in the Western world here in Australia. Really? Yeah. Look it up, have a look, and be disgusted with what we what we do here. And we, well, but that, we that, that might be that might be a cultural thing more than the quality of the educational system. You, the you see over the years, it's it's rocketed right down. It, it wasn't always that way. Can't yeah. say it's always been an Australian cultural thing. Yeah. We used to do very well. We don't do that well. The anymore. other, I mean, the other thing is that we are in the way that we live our lives is much more isolated from each other as families yes. and so forth. I mean, yeah, uh, in in ancient times, certainly in biblical times, uh, children were absolutely always community um, yeah, educated. Exactly. Um, so uh, the the idea of you know being community educated, I, I like it. So yeah, yeah, same, same. I do. Yeah. I don't, look. I don't, let me. I'm get, jumping off my high horse, and I'm sorry if I've offended anybody, but I'm hoping that this will cause all of us as a community yeah. to rethink how we've done school. Yeah. The same way we're rethinking church, the same way we're rethinking yeah. education, business, and all this other stuff. Yeah. I think it's going to make us think yeah, about that sure. too. And look, at, at the moment, I am super impressed with this with my kids' schools. Like, yeah. super oh. impressed. What what that there's there's no way like what those teachers are doing for my kids uh, is a hundred times better than what I could do. They're trained. <laughs> yeah. They're trained to train my kids. Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not, and so. Uh, I want my kids to have access to that specialist education. So I'm 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 actually very grateful at the moment for yeah. the oh. state education that we have. Amen. Same same yeah. same same. I'm very 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 uh, very very thankful as we should be. Hey Matt, before we get into the Book of Exodus, and we've we've totally we, we nearly went down a rabbit trail there, man. You're <laughs> we, like, we, we, <laughs> that was your fault. My fault. Take full responsibility. I'm making a note for a future episode of Thrive Perspectives. We'll talk about education. No, um, uh, but Matt, we've got questions before. We get into Exodus, and we've only got this episode and next episode in a fortnight to finish off yeah. the rest of the Book of Exodus. Yeah, so so we get, we'll do it in in bigger chunks. Which okay. actually, it's a, I like doing it like that. Sometimes okay. getting caught up in the details, yes, uh, you can miss the big picture. And so I quite right. like doing. Big, so for the next couple stuff. of episodes, get ready for a big picture yeah. over the book of the last uh, twenty chapters of the Book of Exodus. But let's get into some questions here. I've got a wonderful uh, email that came in that sort of slipped through the cracks. Sorry, Elizabeth. Elizabeth S. wrote us a note and she said, listen, I've managed to work out how to access Thrive Deeper and Thrive Perspectives as podcasts. And she goes, I'm so excited. I'm binge listing everything. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Elizabeth, God bless you. Um, I really appreciate these programs and thank you to you and Matthew for your efforts. I've got a question going back to Genesis 49. All right. So, yeah, no, we go, we're going back to the end of where Jacob prophesies over his sons before he dies. It records that Reuben is judged for sleeping with his father's concubine. Mm. Simeon and Levi are judged for their deceit and revenge in killing the Shechemites. 
fair enough. Yeah. However, the Levites are later selected by to be God by from God to be God's chosen priests uh, in Exodus and beyond. So my question is, why Jacob Jacob prophesied Levi, let me not enter his council, let me not join their assembly. That it seems to be uh, a prophecy. Is that has that prophecy been unfulfilled? Is it changed? Why does Levi seem to get special treatment in this judgment? Um, what's the writer trying? And she and she mm. and she sums this up really well. At the, she goes, "Is this an anomaly? What is God trying to teach us with Jacob's prophecy and what God does with Levi later on?" Uh, yeah, uh, prophecies like that don't necessarily condemn a person their whole lives to uh, to that fate. Um, you know, the Levites are chosen not by merit but by God's grace. And uh, I think that's I think that perspective is important here. So um yes, Levi was complicit there. And and just remind me again, it was uh, Levi was cursed for his complicity in the Shechemite situation. Is that what is that what She's saying, she's saying, you know, they they were judged in part of that. Like, yeah, obviously, yeah. part of the judgment is around <clears throat> yeah. the killing of the Shechemites. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yep. So, look, I mean, um, I think that it's a case of grace cancelling out something that is otherwise mm. um, just consequences. And it's also, it's uh, when I read this question, Matt, tell me if I'm wrong here. Immediately, I thought of what we've just been reading in in Exodus. Um, in the Ten Commandments, where God says, "You know, I will, I will judge you yeah. if you disobey this for two or three generations, yeah. but for the people who love me, I'm going to bless them for yeah. thousands of generations." And it sort of made me realize that God wants to bless us, yeah. and maybe Levite, Levi, the man, was judged. Yeah, that's right. I Not think his, that's quite. I think yeah. that's yeah. They're, they're generally. Are consequences though? You can never isolate the man from his Community. progeny, and that's okay. what that okay. that statement about to the third and fourth generation is about. It's about natural consequences, but uh, the the Levites then are elevated by God, yeah. uh, and and that is an act of grace, and that's that's my point. So okay. they, they yeah, so certainly they don't bear they don't bear the guilt for no. what Levi did, mm-hmm. um, uh, but they are nevertheless. Elevated from what might otherwise be the consequences uh, I love of it. that. I love it. Grace, uh, you know, such an important thing to mm. remember here. Elizabeth, listening in Queensland, I hope that answers your question and thank you for uh, listening to so many of our episodes. I hope you, uh, I hope you come out the other side okay <laughs> from all of it. We've got a question here from Molly, and I think I know which way we're going to go with this one, but Molly's got a message. Uh, hi, DJ and Matt. I'd love to hear from you guys about some positive perspectives on women in leadership in ministry in the church. She goes on to talk about, you know, different denominations, different worldviews, different things to do with Christians in in leadership and the women, you know, genders in churches. I'm going to say, uh, before you even get a chance to answer this one, could this be a future Thrive Perspectives? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. We'll get down a massive rabbit hole now if we try and- Yeah. Because it's a- it's it's an important and, and a big and a big issue. So yeah. let's do a Thrive Perspectives. On okay, that. Molly, you've heard that there. Thank you for sending in that questions and make sure you subscribe to Thrive Perspectives. Uh, Andy has written to us again. Andy C uh, has written to us again, and he said, "Listening to the Ten Commandments edition of Thrive Deeper gave me a thought uh, for maybe a perspective." Episode. Mm. Okay, so we've got another suggestion here. <laughs> People are really yeah, liking the perspectives. I know they stuff. really are. Uh, 
Can you, can you, I'd love to hear a Christian outlook on crime and punishment and capital punishment in okay. light of, in light well, that, of that, that is, that is relevant to what we're going to look at today. So we, 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 we might touch on that. Okay. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Yeah. Andy, there you go. Andy also also uh, gives a really uh, funny tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he says a lot of nice words to, uh, about what we're doing. Thank you, Andy. And he also says the new .tv uh, website that we've got, thrivetoday.tv is our mm. new website name. He said, I can't help uh, because he works in this industry. He goes, I know that .tv is the country code of Tuvalu. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Are you doing some dodgy business?" <laughs> no, no, no. We're just using that as as a thing there. Um, uh, we've got um, quite a few more coming in here. Okay, here's here's one from Lisa. Uh, that was a great question, uh, Lisa. Hi guys, loving the podcast. A quick questions, if I may, regarding the Ten Commandments and following the laws. My friend says that following the laws, the law of the altar, the law concerning servants, the law concerning violence, were man made laws because the people couldn't follow the Ten Commandments. That, in fact, they were in excess of 600 laws made because people could not follow just 10. What is your opinion regarding this thought? Again, I absolutely love the podcast. So encouraging and incredibly enlightening. Thank you so much, Lisa. Yeah, that's um, that's not why uh, the other 600-odd laws are given. Yep. Uh, I'm going to actually talk about that today. All right, good. All right, there you go, Lisa. There's an, there's a uh, there's a, uh, a a way to uh, get you excited about this week's episode. Uh, we've got a few. We've actually got quite a few emails from Jake. Uh, sorry, no, Jack, Jack, Jack S. Jack, thank you so much for writing to us. He's got, and I might even share this, Jack, if it's okay with you, and I think it will be. He's given us some perspectives about what the Jewish symbology is with the food that they ate in the Passover. Okay. What each thing symbolizes because sure. we had a roast lamb question. And okay. so he's, he's, he's come back with, with some of the, uh, you know, some of the other points there. Good. Um, um, and he's also given us some, um, he's obviously, uh, Jack, I'm, I'm going to email you back because you've obviously a, either a Jewish scholar. Or you're you're uh, you might be Jewish yourself. So Jack, I'd love to uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about the background there. But uh, he's got a um, he's got a uh, uh, one particular question that he did send in about the Ten Commandments episode. Is the second commandment states not to bow down before an image? Yeah. Okay. So he said, I know a lot of Catholics who kneel and cross themselves before either a statue or a crucifix and maybe a Mary. And they even say, you know, hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They do that. They do that. Mm. Is this hypocritical? Is this not following the Ten Commandments? What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm just, I can't really speak for, uh, for Catholics. Um, I, I think they would say that it's a mark of respect uh, for those people that they like, if they kneel down to a statue of a saint, they might say that's a a sign of respect. Uh, but the fact is, is that in the Catholic Church, they do believe that Mary and the saints can actually mediate for us; mm. that they also act as mediators before God. Now, that I thoroughly disagree with. Yes, um, uh, and uh, Hail Mary. The, the prayer to Mary, again, I thoroughly uh, would object to praying it's, to it's, Mary or any other saint. It doesn't come from the Bible. 
we pray. It's I mean, prayer. We 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 pray to God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Uh, I mean, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are persons of God. I mean, we get you know, we pray to God. In yeah. other words, and to God alone, uh, praying to human mediators, um, saints or Mary, saints or Mary, is um, I think goes completely against the fact that there is one mediator between God and man, yeah. and that is Jesus Christ. All right, part two of the question then, and I agree. Mm. I mean, Matt, as Protestants, both mm. of us obviously mm. are one hundred percent down that road. It's solar Scripture, yeah, you know, the, yeah. the hail Marys are totally yeah, yeah. not found in there. Um, Imagery, statues, crucifixions, um, saints, images of saints, beautiful, you know, the, 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 you know, that the religious style of painting mm. that you will find in an Orthodox church. Oh, uh, that's a big topic. Yeah, I that, know it's a, is it, have we discovered yeah, it? I'm not sure if I, if I can even summarize that because, uh, I know a bit about iconography and I, uh, I teach a section on, uh, on iconography. Uh, at the college, I'm not an expert on it, um, but I am familiar with the theology around it. They would say that the icon is basically an uh, uh, like text in image. Yeah. Uh, so, so they talk about writing icons, and yes. the idea is it's a it's a tool of reflection um, that that conveys theology through all the symbolism mm. of, of icons. Uh, you know, uh, the, you know, East, Eastern Orthodox. Um, the Eastern Orthodox believers would insist that they're not worshiping those yes. uh, icons. And um, now, look, I, I think I think it can easily become that. Uh, you know, I, I think it easily can get uncomfortably close to Worship. worshiping an image. Um, but yeah, I I, um, I appreciate the theology behind that. Mm. I appreciate the beauty behind the images. No, yeah. Um, but I would not be an advocate of their use necessarily in, okay. in, for spiritual practice. If you've got any more questions about that, I'd love to hear some people. And maybe that's a whole other Thrive Perspectives on icons, art, uh, yeah, everything in the worship It's a big topic. Church. And even what I've said <coughs> doesn't quite capture yeah. the nuance of the view, view that I would want to convey. Okay, one last email I want to bring to you. And, and thank you. Look, I, and we've been – the email floodgates have finally opened. I mean – Okay, great. As long as we can get to our topic because we've got a big topic today. <laughs> Matt's looking at the time. Oh, no. But uh, I, I love the fact for, year, for a couple of years now we've been saying email us, email us, email us. We're nearly at episode 100 and finally the floodgates have opened. People are cool. really cottoning, cottoning on that they can email us, which is great. <laughs> We've got one here from Uma Ishfak. I don't know if – I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Hi, how are you doing? I aim to provide you high-quality free-to-cost guest post article for your amazing website. I can send you some really great topic ideas for this purpose, which would be relevant to website niche for sure. If my topic ideas appeal to you <laughs> – I'll send you article. I would just need a black backlink in return of article. Backlink needs to be within the body of the article. Is there? (laughs) Please let me know your response to this and what topic ideas you would like from Uma. Now this is some sort of, uh, obviously we've, we've now been, we've now been in the net of this world of, of people who are writing just, bogus articles for backtraction and everything like okay, that on their yeah, website. Yeah. Uma, if you are listening, and I'm sure you're not, 
Thanks, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> hey, but everybody else who's emailed, thank you so much for emailing in. We really appreciate your emails and especially all the feedback that people have gotten as we go through this book of Exodus. Uh, last week, last sorry, not last week, last fortnight on the last episode, we covered the Ten Commandments, mm-hmm. and uh, you know th- that's the biggie. That's the that would be the foundation of what all the other laws come, you know, are yeah. built on the Ten Commandments that's given right. to Moses. Well. Um, a bit of perspective, there are different levels uh, of the law. The the Ten Commandments represent the, the major principles of the moral law. They're major moral principles. Yes. Now, there's there's a level of law above that, and that, of course, is the twofold commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. Okay. So that even sits above the Ten Commandments. Okay. From a biblical we've, perspective. We've gone from, I, I used the word foundation, and now you're going for umbrella. So let's stick to the umbrella <laughs> Symbology, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, mixing no, that, metaphors. Here, you know, yeah. that's good. No, so so the biggest overarching law yeah. that we, even we as Christians, live yeah, under yeah. is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. Okay, so that's the twofold uh, commandment. Uh, then uh, under that, you have the Ten Commandments, which are major moral principles. Now you keep using you keep, you've used that you use that before moral law. Yeah, You're, are you are you making divisions on the laws? There's yeah, that's a moral right. yeah. law. Yeah, and and those uh, those divisions are strongly implicit. Okay, it's not it's it's not like you've got the text saying now this is this, but this is another division. Yes. But clearly, what what we have is these ten general principles, and they are set apart in the sense that you know they're written on tablets of stone and and so forth and. So, Herod so, in the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, that's right. So these are these are these major moral principles. Then you've got so let's call that the moral law. Okay. Then you've got the civil application of that, specific applications of that law. Okay. Almost uh, almost like civil. I think of the civil laws that we have. Yeah, in that's the, right. Yeah. The land of Australia, yeah. or even unique to Geelong. That's right. So what is the, you know what does this look like for the people you know 1300 BC? Okay. Well, it gives examples uh, of that, and I'll and and that's what we're going to focus on that today because a lot of a lot of people because what you have after the immediately after the Ten Commandments is a whole lot of examples of the application of that in yes. civil laws. Okay. A lot of people look. At that, and are horrified because it's talking about slavery, and it doesn't look like there's much gender equality there, and does you know, and invariably they're all based on a misunderstanding of what's actually going on in those laws, and I really want to clear up that misunderstanding. Well, I I want to get okay, beautiful. I want to get this foundation set up though in my own head as well. You're saying that there is a moral law that is universal. Tell me about like define moral law for us right now. Uh, it's a law that governs our uh, attitudes and behaviours just generally. Okay. And then um, there is uh, the next level of law is the specific application of those things. Is there another level? Under, that would be civil law. Yeah, that, that would talking, be civil law. Is yeah. there another type of law? Are we going to is it just those two moral uh, laws? No, well, civil? there's also in Exodus we also have the sacrificial law. And we're going to get more of that in, in Leviticus, so we're not going to talk about that. Today, but that's the that's the um, instructions. Let's not. I mean, it's pa- perhaps confusing calling it law. The instructions around the tabernacle and and the worship okay. in the tabernacle. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now okay. that's that's slightly different because it's three dimensional theology. It's it's like <laughs> conveying through symbols. It's conveying the key elements of uh, of uh, worship and salvation and 
I guess, as I said, three-dimensional. Okay. Uh, three-dimensional teaching on the essentials of the faith. How are we made right with God? Well, the temple is a three-dimensional answer to that question. Okay, so let's let's get this in, my, in our minds again. So overriding everything. The tabernacle, I should have said, because, of course, the temple, temple is a later solid version of the tabernacle. So, so overriding everything is a... Would you would you even call it a moral law? The two the two laws that you mentioned at the beginning. Would you call that moral law, or would you call that something unique again? Uh, no, I'd, I'd, it, it's even it's even higher than moral. It's 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 the meaning of life. Okay, I love, that is awesome. I love it. Okay, mm. so at the top of everything, you have the meaning of life, which is to love the Lord your God yeah. and to love you know others as we love ourselves. Yeah. You know that's that's the yeah. you know even Jesus reiterates that, saying that yeah. that is everything. That is yeah, the right. meaning of life. Yeah. Underneath that, to 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 live out that meaning, yeah. God has given us a moral law, yeah. which is embodied in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Right. That's right. Most of which is made up of prohibitions. See, the, the top level yes. is this is how I want you to live, positive. Yes. Love God, love your neighbour. Yeah. And that means... Yes, don't kill. Yeah, don't do... Th- so yeah, don't so the steal. first four commandments deal with the love of the Lord your God. Yes. And the, the next six commandments deal with love your neighbour. Okay, great. So we get more detail. Okay, and then... All the now, this is where it's. This is where you made a point before, Matt, and I really want you to enunciate that. We now we like to say, and as we even got one of the questions, there are now six hundred other laws. Yeah. Now, are we talking law as the same as that moral law? Or you used a word before for the sacrifices and stuff. This is more instruction. Uh, well, uh, no. These the, the the laws that come. Uh, the laws that come after are, and I've said that before, civil laws. Yes. So they are the application of the principles of the Ten Commandments. Okay. And of those two major principles, love God and love your neighbour. Yep. They are the specific application of that to specific situations at the time. Okay. Now, uh, because that's required. Now, it's important to note that it doesn't. Co- these laws don't cover every situation because they're not meant to. They are examples of. It's what they would. They're what you call paradigmatic laws. Okay. They create paradigms for how the major principles can be applied in different situations. Okay. So they're not. So, for example, our civil law that we have, or our criminal law, yep, um, governs all different sorts of behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, whether you can overtake on double lines yes. from jade walking through yeah. to yeah. what, you know, what the difference between murder in the first degree and murder and so whatever. Yes. Okay. So um, now you, you don't have that same kind of law code here. You just have examples of what it looks, what justice looks like in this situation. And then the idea is that they could then refer to that for differing situations and apply that with a bit of wisdom. Yeah. And reference to the main principles, and then and then sitting to sitting. So that's a, like a. So it's basically, and again, I, I know I'm labouring on the point yeah. here, but I think it's really good to walk into this with a clear yeah. framework to yeah. hang everything on. Yeah, we have a principle of life. You know, the meaning of the universe yeah. is 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 the love of the Lord your yeah. God and love love people. Yeah. The moral law, the Ten Commandments, 
fleshes that out for everybody. For everyone at all times, yeah. I'll say. So, so that's the important point yep. is the first two layers are for everyone at all time. Yep. The next layer was for ancient Israel. Okay. The civil law that we then read in Exodus and we read on into the other books of, the, you know, the first five books, yep. uh, a civil law yeah. is fleshing out what those moral laws look like for their society. That's right. Yeah, that's okay. right. And, and, and as I said, they're paradigmatic. Even for them, they were paradigmatic. Yep. So in, in different cases that aren't covered by specific things mentioned uh-huh. in Exodus or Leviticus, uh-huh. you would extrapolate from yeah. what w- we are told. Now, I, we can actually look at these and do the same thing. We can actually look at these question. laws yep. and say, okay, well, in that case – uh, this person's rights were protected in this way. Yeah. And that's yeah. a good way of putting it because this is a lot about what we're going to see. It's a lot about protecting various people's rights. Okay, great. Uh, and, and maintaining justice. So we can look at that as examples, but you have to, and this is the important thing, you cannot just transport it into our culture no. because they only make sense in the light of that culture. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. th- that's the key thing. We'll keep that in mind. And then and then also we will see, and we begin to see in Exodus, and it goes on in Leviticus, a lot of sacrifice, sacrificial instructions, giving us the, to use a better word, laws and instructions yeah. of how worship yeah. God, which yeah. which we realise right from the beginning, from from right from the very beginning, beginning, yep. but even in the Ten Commandments, it's all based around this idea that your life is to be based around worship yeah. of God. Yeah, that's right. And we see that flesh out in the sacrificial, yeah. you know, uh, laws and instructions that we are given as well. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. I mean, in a sense, uh, the the law was saying to the people, the God was saying, "This is what I want you to do for me." The sacrificial system was declaring, "This is what." I did for you, ultimately, as well as providing instructions on how to uh, come and uh, present your thanksgiving and your worship in ways that are true to who God is. Yes. Yeah, I love it. That's important. Now, this is good stuff. Now, you're getting me excited about sacrificial laws, (laughs) but we're not going to get into that over these next couple of episodes. We're going to save that for the future. Yeah, we'll save that for Leviticus, you know, because Leviticus is, is... uh, kind of the priestly manual, yes. and we'll get that then. So what, what we'll focus on now is are these civil laws. And again, a lot of people really struggle with these. And I and th- this is a part of the Bible that is most often referred to by um, pr- opponents oh. of uh, of the Christian faith. Oh. oh, well, it says that, you know, it advocates slavery and and, and it yeah. denigrates women and it yeah. de- all, all sorts of things. You, you, you uh, yeah, th- I'm going to read that from that book that says something I can't eat a prawn. Yeah, yeah, like I'm <laughs> going right. to read that book. Do you know you can't mix your materials, you dumb Christians? Yeah. I've yeah. heard it all. I've heard yeah, it all yeah, and yeah. you're like... Are you serious? And it's, it's all based on a complete misunderstanding yeah. uh, of the purpose uh, of, of those laws. Okay, before we get into it, let's take a quick... You've just taken a big breath. You're ready to dive in, Matt. Let's take a quick break here on this episode. And when we come back from the break, we're going to dive straight into the civil laws in the book of Exodus. You're on Thrive Deeper.
there, family. It's your old pal DJ Payne here, interrupting the show halfway through, as I am wont to do. And I want to let you know this week, a massive thank you from all of us to you who've gotten in contact with us. We've had so many people email Uh, Drop us a line on Facebook. On the Facebook page, we've got two separate Facebook groups now, one for Thrive Deeper and one for Thrive Perspectives. We'd love it if you're part of both of them. And we'd love it if you were subscribing and rating both of our shows on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts there. You can jump in there and rate our shows five stars. Let everybody know how much you love them. But I I introduced something last week on the last episode of Thrive Perspectives, and I wanted to give you the opportunity as part of the Thrive Deeper family to be a part of it as well. I'm calling it the advance party, just like, you know, in the military, you've got the advance party that sneaks off a little bit ahead of everybody else to scope things out. That's what I'm asking here. I want to build up a bit of an advanced party of listeners. Why? Well, we've got different topics coming up on Thrive Perspectives, and we've got different books of the Bible that we're heading into with Thrive Deeper here in Thrive Deeper. And I would love a little bit of an advanced crew to hear some questions and ideas about topics and and, uh, passages that we're going through and wonder if you would love to let us know your feedback, your thoughts, your questions. If that sounds something that would be exciting to you, and I know it's not going to be exciting for everybody because I'm giving you some homework here to do, but if you want to be part of the advance party, here's what you do. Head over to thrivetoday.tv. That's our website. You know it now. Thrivetoday.tv. And when you're there, just head over and drop us a line. You'll see contact us there. Just drop us a line and say, listen, I'm interested in being part of the advance party. That's all you need to say. Just make sure somewhere in there you say advance party. And I know I put you down on a secret little email list just for us and the advance party there. If that sounds like something you would want to do, I'm making it sound like it's really fun and exclusive. It's basically me giving you homework if you want that. But if you, if that, if you love the shows and you'd love to be a part of it like that, that would mean a lot to us. It would help a lot as we continue to go forward here. Well, we've got a lot of great news and new ideas happening over the next few months as part of the Thrive family, and I hope you can be a part of it all. There's got some great stuff happening, but right now, let's get back into the book of Exodus and really break down what's happening between the moral and the civil law. I've got a lot of questions for Matt, and maybe you do too. Let's get into it now on Thrive Deep. It's Thrive Deeper, DJ Payne here, and with me as always is our faithful guide on this Thrive Deeper podcast, it's Matthew Jacoby. Matt, we're about to enter into chapter 21 and beyond of the book of Exodus, but we're not doing what we've done in the past when we're looking through the books and going chapter by chapter by chapter, verse by Mm. verse. We need to sort of, for the rest of this book of Exodus, we're going to go big bird's, bird's eye view. Yeah, that's right. Now, the, the, the best, as I said, you have to view the, um, the Old Testament civil law through the lens of the time in which it's written and the culture and so forth. Uh, it's written for that and it's written with reference to that specifically. So um, one way to look at it actually is to compare it to other laws at the times. So for example, there's a famous law code that I'll refer to a bit called the 
the um, Code of Hammurabi. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, last on the last and, episode. Uh, that, that's uh, that's an older law. It's a Babylonian law code, wow. um, but it provides one of the best examples of ancient laws that we can compare. Like a civil law of the, of the Babylonians. It's, okay. Yeah, it, it does pretty much the same thing. Okay. We've also got uh, ancient Hittite law codes the, uh, that, are, that are, again, uh, older even. So we, we've got plenty of material there to use uh, as a comparison. Now, the first thing is that there are some similarities and you, you would expect this because yeah. uh, justice is a universal um, inclination yes. that we have, uh, and and so you can expect expressions of justice, yes. as faulty as they may be. But you see that in these laws, there's an attempt at maintaining justice, which is which is step one in setting up a community. Is the sense that there is a uh, there is a law, and there is a uh, there has to be consequences right. for breaking the law. Yeah, that's right. So. Um, a, a lot of ancient laws are, and this is also true of the biblical law, are about maintaining order and preventing against chaos. Remember the chaos yes. order thing? Yeah. So this is really uh, important principle in all ancient Near Eastern laws. Now, uh, I mentioned that it's upholding justice. Now, that doesn't mean it's not in, in the ancient world, it didn't mean justice in our sense. Uh, now, the biblical law is going to bring us much closer to justice, the, the way that uh, we would understand that. In fact, okay. our concept of justice comes from the biblical law. Okay. Now, what, I'm, what I mean is, is that in, for example, in Hammurabi's code, it's all about maintaining the status quo, which means a class society. Okay. You've got slaves, you've got this class, you've got that class, and everyone needs to stay in their place. Yes. Slaves shouldn't you know, slaves are inherently worth less yes. than other people, and and the the law actually of Hammurabi actually preserves that difference. Wow! And that for them was about maintaining uh, their, sense, their of sense of justice and their sense of order. Yeah. Now that's where the biblical law is going to completely differ, mm. because in the biblical law, all life is sacred, mm. and uh, if you kill a slave and you kill another person, it's the same penalty. Yeah. Because it's. It's a human life yeah. that we're talking about. So, um, and and in fact, even more, the biblical law actually seeks to eradicate class uh, wow. levels of society. Wow. It it works with the fact that there are richer and poorer people, mm. but it does a number of things to maintain an an equal share in particularly projecting forward to when Israel are going to be in the land. Mm. So, for example, uh, you know, slaves were set free after after, uh, after six years. Yep. Yeah, six yep. years and you'd be set free, right? Yep. Uh, because you could sell yourself into slavery if you mm-hmm. had debts or it was like uh, I could work know, it bond labour. Yeah, uh, you could work it off. So... Yeah. Um, but you couldn't be more. It couldn't be more than six years. Yeah, you had the option to go free. Uh, the year of cancelling debts as well at the end of six years. <laughs> All debts. Forgive. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. Uh, you had. Um, I mean, the year of jubilee, yeah. where where no one owned land long term after forty nine years, yeah. land would revert back to the original share mm. that they were given. Wow. Uh, of the land. So so it's a very – okay, so what you're saying in all of that, Matt, let me see if I've got this right. The, this this law of the Hebrews that we're reading, yeah. you know, this Hebrew yeah. law, the civil law that we then begin to, to understand is incredibly countercultural 
to what was the status yeah. quo of the people around them and the people they came out of. Yeah. But but there, there are enough similarities to make it make sense. Okay. So, you know, for example, one of the things that disturbs people are, are the punishments. Such and such be put to death, such and such be put to Oh, you know, it's like, man, we're, that's a little harsh, you know. Um, you know, can't they just be put in jail? Well, how are you going to do that when you're nomads? Yeah. <laughs> R- really? I, I mean, yeah. it's... And, and in any case, um, this is the ancient world. And as it is, actually, the, the punishments are a lot more lenient than what you have out there in the ancient world. I mean, ancient uh, ancient Assyrians and Babylonians, oh. they were impaling people and- Incredibly and, cruel. And they were, you know, flaying people. I mean, it was terrible, terrible yep. punishments. You don't get any of that prolonged uh, torture. You get in, stoning. In, yeah. You that's get, pretty much yeah, it. That's right. Um because they're comparable to what's around at the time. It's like this is okay. This is this is speaking in a language of punishment that that they were used to. Yes, and that I mean to keep order that you've got to work with something that they're familiar with. Can can we also say that I mean again, man, we this is getting a little bit outside of the text, but I've always thought of it because I mean they were living closer to God. As in, you know, God in the in the, the so temple. They're more says, accountable. They're more accountable. Yeah. They're more close to, you know, you know, because the big the big questions is is you know is about capital punishment. I know this should be an entire other episode, but you know, they're, they're very they're not freely willy nilly putting out capital punishment there, but they had a really sense of order and what things were worth. I think by by making things punishable by death, they actually elevated the worth of everybody yeah, they, else. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And and yet again, that's comparable to what was out there okay. uh, in the in you know at the time. I mean, another thing that is that disturbs people is the fact that there is there are these same punishments for things like adultery, cursing your parents, and so forth. And people think, but hang on, that's a private moral. Uh, issue that we sh- you shouldn't know in the ancient world it was not when you're in a tribal society uh, things like uh, lack of respect and, uh, and obedience to parents uh, adultery the splitting up of the family unit in any sense would would completely disrupt a tribal society would yep. rent render tribal society apart mm. which would then make you vulnerable uh, would weaken a tra- and, and you'd all die yeah so uh, so there's no such thing as just merely moral issues. Everything yep. has uh, a crucial uh, has crucial implications on the life of the, the, the people the, as a whole. A, a, a lot of people love uh, in 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 worldviews today a very what has been known what sort of been shorthanded now to a very libertarian type of worldview yep. where everyone's autonomous. As long as I'm not hurting anybody else, I'm free to do whatever I want. Ultimate personal <clears throat> freedom for me to do whatever I want. That type of mentality, completely yeah. outside of what we're reading here. Yeah. Well, in in I mean, part of the point though is that in all of these cases, it was hurting someone. Yeah. Actually, it was doing in, it, really bad damage to society as a whole. Now, let, let's just remember also. I think the other thing bearing in mind is that there's a, a sense of progressive. This is starting off with that situation, and it's a step in the right direction, right? It's not the ultimate. What the ultimate expression of God's will is in Jesus Christ. Let's just remember that. Yes. If you want to know what the ultimate expression of God's will is, it's in Jesus Christ. Now, when uh, when the uh, Jewish leaders brought a woman caught in adultery to Jesus, saying the law says that she should be stoned, what did Jesus say? He says, "Well, let he." 
he of you who is without sin cast the first stone. Now we didn't, he didn't invalidate the law necessarily, but in a very clever way, he uh, kind of uh, trumped it with a, with a bigger principle. Yeah. So, um, and brought out, I think. So that's an important perspective. I think Jesus is bringing out maybe the heart of what the law is all about, what this civil law is pointing back to the moral law, yeah. pointing back to the bigger purpose of why we're here. We've got to remember, we've got to, we've got to look at these, as, 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 from what we just said at the beginning, they're sitting underneath these other bigger principles. Yeah, that's right. And, and in fact, I mean, it's important. That's an interesting example there in John 8 uh, with that story because there we see Jesus showing grace to this woman. And grace only makes sense if, if there's a backdrop of justice. Because grace is you getting what you don't deserve or not getting what you do deserve. So, uh, yes, it, it, in, in, according to the biblical law, um, you know, she was culpable for having done, and there's no talk about the husband, no, I mean, yeah. which is interesting because actually on the biblical law, he is culpable as well. Exactly. So, you know, th- th- they had, and I think Jesus there is, um, uh, I think there's a, uh, there's a, is an allusion to that as well. It's yeah. like, well, where's the guy? It's a setup. Yeah. It's a setup. <laughs> this is a, yeah. you know, this is a setup. Anyway, um, so yeah, grace doesn't do away with justice. Grace is actually built on justice. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's let's just get into a little bit more uh, yeah. of the detail. I'm going to highlight some of the differences between because I think this is the best way to appreciate. What is revolutionary about this at the time? Because one of the, 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 the main purpose of the law was to demonstrate something to the world around them. It was meant to be countercultural. Uh, it was given so that, um, uh, so that the nations could look at Israel and say, wow, look at their law. This is really different. This is, this is a level of justice that is way beyond what we're used to. Yes. So it was very explicitly for that purpose. So there are important points uh, of difference. So, for example, uh, you don't get anything like the Ten Commandments. You, get, you, get, uh, you don't get these general moral principles. You just get civil laws. Yeah. So Ten Commandments are without parallels yes. uh, as such. Certainly, without parallel, is the the twofold uh, commandment: this, love God and love your neighbour. You don't get that anywhere yeah. um, in 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 the ancient world. Uh, that that's unique to to scripture, uh, to the Bible, Old and New Testament. Actually, um, as I said, other laws are based are class based, and they yeah. serve to maintain they serve to maintain class order, whereas the Old Testament actually sets out to abolish class differences. Um, Now, uh, while the protection of the oppressed um, is, there is some protections in ancient, other ancient laws, it's still, ancient laws such as Hammurabi still favour the free and the wealthy. Whereas in Old Testament, in the Old Testament laws, there is particularly particular protection f- and particular concern for mm. the slaves and the aliens and so forth and totally. the poor. Okay, yep. so particular protection yep. uh, for them it goes out of its way yep. uh, to protect. Always those in light of what their what the Jewish history has <laughs> yeah. been. Um, also, uh, in the biblical laws, is uh, 
high value placed on human life. Um, and also the place of women is f- far better according to the, if you just take the biblical law, far yes. better uh, than in anywhere else in the ancient Near East at the time. Uh, also, slaves are treated significantly better than in any other area mm. of the uh, ancient Near East. Their lives are valued with e- equal to their masters yep. and uh, and their treatment is much better. So slaves essentially were part of the family. I'll say a bit more about that uh, in a moment. Um, uh Another couple of examples. In ancient Near Eastern law, uh, you're not allowed to hold on to an escaped slave. If if a slave um, escapes and runs to you, you have to, according to Hammurabi's law, you have to apprehend him and take him back to his master. Whereas in Deuteronomy, you're actually not allowed to send him back. Wow. You're not allowed to send the escaped slave back to his master. Wow. According to Deuteronomy. Um, In... Hammurabi's law, if a man kills your son, you kill his son. And often it, yeah, there's a number of cases in Hammurabi's law where to make up for a crime that you committed, you have to actually uh, sacrifice your child Oof. Uh, for that. And, and that's quite common in the yeah. ancient Near East, whereas it, very strict principle in the biblical law is children are not to bear the, sin. the guilt, the sin of their parents. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let me think. Look at some other examples here. Um, I'll go. I'll go to some. Uh, I'll go to some specific uh, examples. Um, uh, as I said, Deuteronomy twenty four says, "Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, uh, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin." Uh, why would he say that's because you have got laws like this? Um, this is from the Code of Hammurabi. Uh, if a woman die his own if the woman like so if if there's um a case where uh um well in in the context it's if like in and there's one like this in uh, exodus where if there when there's a struggle and and a woman gets accidentally knocked in the struggle knocked in the struggle and and dies well According to this, his own daughter shall be put to death. It's like you, wow. you give your daughter for the death of that yeah. uh, of that woman. Uh, if a house uh, collapse, then if it kill the owner, um, oh, actually that that was sorry that the Hammurabi's law that was to do with it when a man assaulted a pregnant woman and as a result she died. Yes. You would have to give your daughter. Whereas according to the biblical law, no, you bear. It's 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 life for life. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, if a house collapsed, according to Hammurabi's law, and if it kills the son of the owner, then the son of the builder has to be put to death. Wow. Uh, now, that seemed perfectly just mm. to these people, but mm. the biblical law takes each person on their own merits. Yeah, the builder should be That's built, right, not the, the builder's held. So, yeah. so that's completely uh, done uh, away with. Uh, and there's a number of other examples that I've got here, but we'll leave that there. Um, interestingly, also, if uh, in the same situation in Exodus, if, it says if people are fighting and hit a pregnant woman, she gives birth prematurely uh, and the baby dies. In Hammurabi's law, you pay a fine. But in the biblical law, well, the baby is a human life, a sacred human life, mm. uh, no matter what stage in, in the pregnancy. Yeah. And it's life for life Yeah, um, for, uh, for that. So, and that's interesting in the light of um, uh, the whole issue of abortion. So yeah. that's often yeah. uh, applied to that. Um, uh Here's, here's the law in Deuteronomy 23, actually. It says, you shall not give up 
to his master a slave who has escaped from his master to you. He shall dwell with you in your midst, uh, in uh, in the place that he shall choose within one of your towns. Wherever it suits him, you shall not wrong him. That's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's, re- it's just uh, because, I mean, and, and I think what's happening, what this envisages is because the, the foreign nations treated their slaves so badly, yeah. if their slaves escaped and took refuge in Israel, or if even within Israel if a slave, es- okay. if a slave escaped, don't send him back. Yeah, because he's escaping for and a And so what this envisages is lots of people coming into Israel for sanctuary. Wow. Um, because the, the other the other interesting one on the other side of that in in the in the in the laws there in Exodus and the civil laws is that principle of the six years when the slave is let go. Yeah, when the slave they have he goes into great detail if the slave doesn't want to be let go and wants to stay with you and loves your yeah. master. Well, let's let's look at that. Let's yeah. actually have a look at because uh, um, that's a really interesting one because that brings in family, yeah. wife, everything. Yeah, there's some interesting uh, interesting laws here and I'll ear just- piercing. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, so the first thing we get in chapter 21 is if you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year he shall go free without paying anything. Now, there were a number of levels uh, of slavery. Uh, if, if you were in severe debt, you could offer yourself as a bond servant to work that off, uh, but th- that could not go more than six years. You could not enslave uh, someone for more than, than six years. And, and it, it's, it's bond service because, remember, it's not – see, we think of slavery and we think of, you know, uh, um, the African slave trade in the, you know, 1700s and the 1800s. This is nothing like that because uh, slaves were protected by the law. Uh, they had the same rights – the human rights, which is often not the case. Well, it wasn't the case in other cultures at this time and actually through history where slavery has been practised, it's often not been the case. But that's not the case in the biblical law. They have the same uh, same rights here. And nevertheless, the rights of the the rights of their boss, and it, it is a boss more than an owner, are protected in that he has an investment. They have lived with him. He's kept, you know, he, th- there's an agreement here yep. uh, that has to be honoured as well. Yep. That's often a bit that's not uh, that's not understood uh, in this. Um, let's go down to verse 7. Uh, oh, so, by the way, buying uh, a Hebrew servant it will generally be, will not be from the slave market. No. But the servant will sell himself. Yes. Into that, this is what's it's bond service in yep. this sense. Okay, so you, it's like contractual labour. Yeah, actually, this is what this is talking about. Do, do we get a bit of a similar? Am I, am I totally off the scent here with the story of Jacob working for his uncle? Um, it's a little different, and as I said, there is there is uh, that that is actually similar to this yeah. because he he made a contract and he bound himself to work, work for, for seven, seven years. years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is related to that. Yeah. Now he, of course, is family, but the fact is is that servants were treated like family as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's actually a good example. So, but this is this is what you could do. You could uh, enter into this contract, and it's not like you went to work because these people are living. In, all over the place, and and it's not like commuting in your car or on the train every day. That's just you're living and yeah. working again. Together. Again, the tendency for us to interpret these laws through our 21st century, yeah. uh, you know, mindset is it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you just can't do that. Now, um, uh, it says here, 
if so it's talking about a slave if he comes alone into bond service uh, he he goes free alone but if he has a wife when he comes she is to go with him okay mm-hmm. so if he so if he brings uh, his wife into into service with him she goes with him out that's important but it says but if his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons and daughters the woman and her children sh- uh, shall belong to her master and only the man shall go free now again it's not belong in the sense of uh, a possession as such yes. it's she has to the point here is that she has a separate contractual agreement yep and she has to f- See that contract out. So, so she has to see her seven, her six years yeah. out before she can go. So, so the point there. Let's let's actually flesh it out because again, we jump to conclusions. We jump to different movies and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Master Matt Jacoby, you yeah. know, is there with yeah. his big, you know, uh, you know, big tent, and he's got his flocks and everything like that. Along comes, uh, you know, Mary, yeah. and Mary's like, you know, I, 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 I'm. I can work for the family. I'm good at this, at this, and this. Yep. I owe these debtors. Yeah, you can buy out my debts, and I will work for you for yep. five years or four six years, years or whatever. Yeah, let's yep. say let's say the full yep. six years. Yeah, Matt talks about it with the family. Yes, yep. come in. She's now all. She's now one of the family. Basically, yep. she's doing that. Yeah. Uh, now, someone who's been there for five years is Johnny. Yeah. And Johnny's done the same thing. He had a lot of debt. He's your head flock herd yeah, guy, yeah. and he's got one more year to go, and he's out of debt. Yeah, right. So Johnny comes to comes to Matt and says, "Look, I'm out of debt. I'm out yeah, of debt." And you go, "Well right. done, buddy. Nice knowing you." And he's like, "Yeah, but I've fallen in love with Mary here." Yeah, can I take her with me? And that says, "No," uh, because the rights of the uh, of the boss are yes. protected here yeah, 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 as yeah. well. So it again, it's important that we don't. This is not like oh. Because through our lens, we look exactly. at this. Oh, that's because she's a woman. Oh, <laughs> it's it's because we have this yes. we have this view that the yeah. Bible is all you yeah. know. Uh, but it's not. Yeah, you know, in, in, all about inequality, and no, it's not actually. No, no. that's not what this is saying. About. That her debt is valid, and yeah. she has a contract. Yeah, you. But the beautiful thing there is that the the opportunity that actually like it. It's a bigger burden for. In this scenario, yeah. Matt the go- Matt the head guy, because he goes, well, okay, I'm going to allow you to stay in my household yeah. and work for me as a free man. Yeah, but you can have her as your wife. Yeah, and and again, I mean, this was if you were uh, if you had that little resources, actually a being able to live in a household as a servant as actually a, it's it's not a bad job it's yeah, a good job right because you 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 are protected by the law yeah. um you you become part of the family and so forth yeah. you know and that this is why i mean according to deuteronomy it becomes desirable for foreign people to become. escape to israel <laughs> and become servants in israel because at least they have rights yeah, there you know yeah. so that, that's what's happening and then of course but if if he wants to stay um uh, then he can stay, and his ear gets pierced, yep. and then he's he he uh, stays lifelong. Yeah. Um, that's the next part of the law, and that's to protect the the ear piercing is is actually as much for him, lest his master say, "Oh no, I can't support you. or get out of here." Yeah. No, actually, he says because again, in the ancient world, if you were just cast out, I mean, Where do you what go? would you eat? Yeah. Where would you go? Yeah. Uh, well. This actually protects the servant as well as the rights of the master wow. uh, in, in an ancient context. Um, this the next one is, again, another one that's often misunderstood. This is verse 7 of Exodus 21. If a man sells his daughter as a servant, she is not to go free as male servants do. 
And again, oh, oh it's all about gender yeah. and uh, so forth. Uh, if she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. Now, that's interesting. That's a, a little clue to what's going on here. If he selects her for his son, what do you mean for his son? He must grant her the rights of a daughter. Okay, this is not just someone... Um, uh, being given over as a servant. This is marriage, marriage contract. Yes. Okay. But it's a different kind of marriage contract. This is a law. This isn't a law about regular slaves, but uh, it's this is a, and it's a complicated thing that existed in the ancient Near East. That's part of the culture where a daughter could be sold with a view to marriage. Mm. Um, and what this is doing is protecting her rights so that she's not just cast off mm. uh, in, in that sense. So for, for, this, for a start, uh, it's in, in these cases, it needs its marriage, okay, so it's seen as lifelong. Um, and then uh, it says here in verse 8, if she doesn't please the master, if he just decides, oh, I don't like her anymore, um, he, he can't sell her off. Mm. He actually couldn't sell slaves off. Mm. Mm, uh, so, mm. it, because they're not commodities that you can just. But she's not a slave here. She's a wife. That she's a wife. So yeah, this yeah, is yeah. saying, don't treat her like yeah, your yeah, other yeah. Your, your other servants. I mean, and and arguably selling off even other. Ser- I mean, yeah. you could possibly or possibly allowance for arrangements where you could sell out, out the contract, contract yeah, you yeah. know, all of that yep. sort of stuff. Um, but you're not allowed to do that here. She. Yeah. She has to remain uh, a wife. Yeah, and and she and that would have. This is this is the thing. This is actually protecting her rights. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what this is about. Yeah. Because um, you know, again, we we look at this through the lens of oh, she's being treated like a commodity. No, no, it's actually her rights that are being protected here. Mm. Because again, it's not like oh, just she can just go off and get a job somewhere else. No, no. Uh, in the ancient world, uh, being a part of a household was your welfare. Yeah. You couldn't just go off and yeah. look for another place. It yeah. just wasn't how things worked in the ancient world. So, again, this is uh, protecting her. Okay. We, we got time for one more example, Matt. Yeah. Um, Give us one more. This is in verse 20 of Exodus uh, 21. Anyone who beats uh, their male or female slave with a rod must be punished if the slave dies uh, as a direct result. Uh, if they are not, uh, But they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property. Um, now, this is referring to a specific case. Um, uh, so the law here, um, and I'll explain what I mean by when it says that the slave is his property, because there are other laws that are clearly indicating that the slave has human right, as rights as yes. a human being. Yes. But there is another sense in which, according to the contract, the slave is contracted to work. Is uh, There is, uh, what's the word, um, uh, uh, I can't think of the word. Anyway, in, in that sense, he represents uh, a, a commodity for the uh, for the owner. The okay. owner's paid money. Potential? As, the potential um, of what is? No, uh, human capital. Okay. That's, that was the idea that I'm looking for. Okay. In a sense, there's it's kind of uh, that idea here. So, uh, so it it certainly allows an employer to punish the servant physically, but unlike everywhere else in the ancient Near East, mm. it puts limits on that. Now there yeah. are no limits. <laughs> it, you can do whatever you want with, with your, with your servants where the biblical law is saying, well, you can punish your servants, but if you, if you harm them, see, this is the interesting thing. If you harm them and, and down in, um, 
uh, it says in down in verse 26, an owner who hits a male or female slave in the eye and destroys it must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And an owner who knocks out the tooth of a male female slave must let the slave go free in compensation for the tooth. So if you hit your, if you hit your slave and he loses a tooth, he, he might have seven years of service. Free. Yep. You've just lost. You've just high, lost all high, high value for a yeah. tooth. And remember, this is paradigmatic. So this is not just about eyes and teeth. Yeah. I mean, if he, if if he is, you know, if, if there's a broken bone or, or something, yep. then he yep. goes free. Yeah. That's that, that's. Or at least it gives this. a principle for the judges then to sit down yeah. and go. Well, we know this. We know the tooth is. <laughs> It's value yeah. for free. Oh, he's lost yeah. an ear in this situation. So you give well. him a kicking and he breaks a rib and he's yeah. off. Yeah. You've lost him. Yeah. You know, yeah. so this is really, this is protecting uh, the, 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 the rights, the rights of, of this slave here. So again, you know, I know, and, and, and by the way, it says um, if the slave recovers after a day or two, then uh, he's not to be, uh, the owner's not to be punished since the slave is their property. The idea there is that, in a sense, the slave owner has uh, lost uh, labour, you know, has lost yes. his worth in labour by disabling his servant yep. for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah. still, the, we can see that the rights are being protected here. Okay, mm. now, I'm sure maybe today we would think, well, they shouldn't have even had slaves in those... You shouldn't have even been like that. Well... Uh, in the ancient world, uh, th- that's that's the way that it's just the way that it worked, and it's not it's not condoning s- slavery. In fact, if all of the laws, if you put all the laws together, uh, you actually slaves become members of a household yeah. that are treated with respect, yeah. that have equal value to any other member of the household, yep. it actually doesn't look anything like the kind of slavery that we have in our mind when we think slavery. And, and that particular type of slavery is from a very limited view of a particular part of history when we've actually, you actually start reading history from the time, you know, of when God is handing this out to Moses, you know, about 1,500 years before Christ, up until about, you know, a few hundred years ago, if that. yeah. yeah. Like, you know, so for let's say for the last 3,000 years, the idea of a landowner, you know, a master of an area looking after the people who are working for them is how everybody lived in the world. Yeah, that's right. For thousands of years. That's right. And all of a sudden in the last couple of hundred years, we have a different way of looking at everything and we think – it's all wrong. It's Uh, so funny. In the light of history, we're the the abnormal ones. This law is is – is remarkably countercultural, like yeah. remarkably countercultural compared to what's out there. I mean, just a, a small example again here. If a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck with a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed, right? Because you've you've tried to protect yourself. Yeah. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. Because mm. you can so, see. So the, this is protecting the rights of the thief. Now, this is not, you don't have parallels to this. Yeah. You know, the thief is only, you know, there are other laws about what the thief needs to pay back, but he should not pay with his life. Yeah. You know, so this is, 
this is really amazing it is very stuff here. It's very interesting. Hey, before we before we close, I want to I want to finish with one uh, one other little thing. Um, I, I want to ma- want to make a highlight because one of we've sort of in in our reading we've jumped over one of my favourite chapters in the book of Exodus, yeah. chapter twenty four, yeah. when Moses comes back down and takes the seventy elders up yeah. and they and they have a covenant meal with God yeah. and they see you know like and yeah. it's just an amazing chapter, yeah, um, of the presence of God, what that actually looked like to the Hebrew yeah. people, yeah. how terrifying yeah. it was. And we also get a very important part of the narrative that Moses alone is called up the mountain yeah. uh, to spend 40 days and 40 nights with yeah. God, you know, yeah. um, you know, receiving all of these civil laws and everything like that. It's an amazing chapter. Mm. We also get introduced excuse me, right there to uh, Aaron's two sons mm. uh, who are set up as priests right away, uh, yeah. Nadab, Nadab and, and Abihu. Yeah, yeah and they're, they're going to have be – there's another story coming up with so them there's later a, on. There's a, covenant, there's a covenant confirmation ceremony yes. that occurs here. So God gives them all of these laws and then – uh, they've got to agree to this because remember they've not experienced anything like this. This is completely different to any. They, they can't just go out of Egypt and then just apply the laws that they had in Egypt. No, God doesn't want that. He wants a much higher level of justice, a much higher standard than anything that they experience in Egypt. So they're gonna they're gonna have to receive this and then actually agree to this yeah. because this is a big deal and a big change for them. It's amazing and amazing. And just just visually, the the beauty of the way that is spoken about them being able to see part of God, yeah. the blackness of the cloud yeah. and the burning, consuming fire within yeah. it, it's terrifying. Yeah. And you understand, we also get the sense in that chapter and another chapter further on that, the, the Israelite people down the bottom of the mountain yeah. are hearing sounds but not understanding yeah that's right the actual vocab of it yeah you know and this how terrifying they they were the fact that the Israelite people was were saying Moses you alone talk to God because we're about to yeah. die we're going yeah. to die if this continues we're so terrified yeah. you go speak to him you come we can listen to you. And yeah. it's just an ama- like there's important parts of the of the narrative of Moses yeah. of life that I don't want yeah. to skip over in these parts. Yeah, it's great, great stuff. Yeah, yep. yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's the uh, we've got one more episode to go uh, in covering the Book of Exodus. So you've got a fortnight to get your questions into us. If you've got anything left in the Book of Exodus, please get it into us now because we would love to cover it. Uh, but until next time, Matt, anything you want us to let us know for next time? Above all of the details, keep. Those two vital principles in mind, love God, love your neighbour. I love the fact that you can boil everything down to those things. Love God, love your neighbour. In every circumstance, I need to ask myself, what would it look like for me to love God and love my neighbour in this situation? I can't believe that we've only got one more episode for Thrive Deeper on Exodus. Can you believe we've gotten through Exodus already? Now, a little bit of a sneak peek, a little bit of sneak peek. Hopefully, you've got your Thrive uh, Daily Reading Guide already, but we're heading into what a jump this is from the book of Exodus 
all the way to the end to the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation is next. We would love to say, hey, we had it all planned out. We knew this was going to happen. This is our response to COVID-19 and coronavirus. And no, this is all God's provision here. We've had this slotted in for over a year that we'd be going into the book of Revelation next. It's going to be really interesting. So get in advance, get into the book of Exodus. If you've got any questions, get them to us now. We can start reading ahead in the book of Revelation. It's DJ here and on behalf of everyone, part of the Thrive crew, Stuart and Matt, thank you so much for your love and support. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.